What's up, everybody? I hope everyone's doing well. Welcome back to the Commission's Wrap-Up Show. We're going to be previewing Week 10, talking about a Week 9 that was. And we have a very special guest joining us today, and that's Devin, our 2017 champion. We'll be trying to awaken a sleeping giant that was once our trade market. He's going to be doing some digging and talking about possible trade scenarios. He did a lot of investigating and talked to almost all of the managers and figured out the needs and is trying to play matchmaker. So it's very interesting to listen to and to see if this leads to any trades. Who knows? It's already June 4th and we have no trades. It could do nothing or it could really awaken the trade market. There are a lot of needs out there and everyone, as what I'm seeing, is pretty compatible with each other. I think the first trade that falls will kind of trigger a domino effect. And we may be seeing a couple of trades go down. What's going to be interesting to see is if if Greg and Alicia and Travis all decide to sell at some point. If that happens, we could see a lot of different moves. And people will be countering those moves to keep up in the arms race. All right, so let's talk about week nine. Um, so obviously week nine is in the past. We're coming to you uh, on a Tuesday. We're already into week 10, but week 9 was definitely an interesting week, and we definitely saw some close matchups and some matchups that came down to the Sunday, which is what we like to see. So starting with Boxell, moving to 7-2, and two, he defeated Devin uh, by a close margin, but Boxell definitely was able to breathe a little bit easier going into the Sunday night game. Look, for, look there for a second like Devin could have pulled it out, but Boxell held on and moved to 7-2. and two. He is clearly our best team in the league right now, and he's the team to beat. He kind of has a stronghold on that division. Um, right now, Perrier is only a game back, but it really feels like Boxell's up by multiple games. So we'll see if Perrier can keep pace and try to catch Boxell eventually. But for right now, Boxell looks to be the team to beat in the Ruben Sierra division. The other matchups that were there, uh, we had the two siblings. We had Karen put a thrashing on Travis. Travis had a really strong showing on Sunday, which kind of made the the uh, the deficit smaller. But for the all week, Travis just got destroyed, and Karen put a hurting on him. So this might have been the turning point where Travis decides, hey, this may be the week I decide to sell. Having discussions with Travis, he doesn't seem like he's willing to sell just yet. He's holding out hope that possibly in the long season that is, uh, he could probably get back into it but 21 weeks is a long season but when you're two and seven especially when everyone is keeping pace with each other some of us have six wins some have five it's really hard to get back into the mix but we'll see what Travis decides to do he's on the hunt for his first ever fantasy championship I think in any sport and I don't know if he's going to give up that easy uh, Greg got a huge win over Bazada, which kept Greg's pulse a little bit alive you have to think that if he would have lost and moved to two and seven, he'd be right in that group that is possible sellers. Instead, he pulled out a win against a really, really uh, solid lip luggage team. Bazada can't be happy about dropping to four and five. He's up there in points scored, so it's just a bad luck four and five. But in that division, like we just spoke about with Boxell, the Ruben Sierra division uh, has a leader that has seven wins, and Boxell now has a three game lead on Bazada. Uh, as we saw, I think it was two years ago, Bazada decided to sell, and he made the playoffs anyway. So we'll see what Bazada does. I think his team is just awaiting the arrival of Luis Severino and getting a little bit healthier. 
especially with Charlie Blackman, who just, uh, I think he's on the DL still. I'm not sure what the prognosis of him is. Um, so it's his calf, which is a problem. And Charlie Blackman is a huge cog in his offense. But without Blackman, you would hope that his offense can continue to produce because he has guys like Jorge Polanco, who's 18th in points. DJ LeMay, who's 52nd in points. Edwin has been a, uh, a revelation for Seattle, despite being in that ballpark that seems to be cavernous. And, you know, his power numbers are definitely up there still. So Edwin has uh, been a solid pickup for Bizzotta. And Marcelo Zuna, of course, has been amazing for him. It's what the Cardinals expected when they traded for him last year. Marcelo Zuna has been absolutely incredible. So I don't think offense is the problem with Bizzotta. It might be the pitching because Trevor Bauer has been not the ace that, uh, I mean, no one in Cleveland has been up to snuff for anybody. You, you can go through the whole list. Jose Ramirez, Francisco Lindor, uh, Carlos Carrasco, Trevor Bauer, Corey Kluber's on the DL. Uh, Cleveland has had a disastrous year. Minnesota looks to be running away with the AL Central, and that's bad news for all the people that own all these Cleveland Indians players because Cleveland may just pack it in by July or by the trade deadline and say, let's just get healthy for next year and figure it out because the Twins are out of reach. So all those guys with, like a Lindor who's not healthy right now, Jose Ramirez is probably dealing with a lingering injury despite being on the field every day. He may be dealing with something that is undisclosed to us right now because he got hurt, don't forget, in the first weekend of the season. So it could be very possible that Jose Ramirez may be shut down eventually. I wouldn't be shocked. <clears throat> uh, Bizzotta also has Zach Granke. Uh, his best pitcher, believe it or not, has been Mike Miner and Lucas Giolito. So who would have thought that, that Giolito and Miner going into the season would have been Bizzotta's aces? If you would have told me that it had been Granke and Bauer, okay. But for the most part, I think no one could have predicted Giolito and Mike Miner being the uh, the studs that they are. So uh, Bizzotta looks to get back to his winning ways in Week 10. He definitely doesn't want to fall to 4-6 and six in that division because it looks like Boxell is not slowing down anytime soon. Perrier got the win over uh, my brother, who has been really upset about that loss that he had. That's two weeks in a row they had two bad luck losses in his mind. And I reminded him that I had a similar loss to him earlier in the season when Noah Syndergaard went off for a complete game shutout, and he got the win because of that. So it's kind of like evening out, but Jimmy is talking about, if I would have picked up Adam Wainwright, I would have won. But listen, you didn't. And Perrier, the defending champion, is moving in the right direction, six and three. And Jimmy falls to five and four. Both solid teams, definitely be in the hunt for the playoff picture. And Perrier is definitely having, I would say, a better season this year than he had last year, believe it or not. And I know everyone will be like, no, he's the he was the champion. But if you remember, he barely squeaked into the playoffs. He was eleven and ten. And he definitely wasn't the favorite going in. He got hot at the right time, which is what we tend to see in the playoffs. And Mike Perrier is someone who, uh, this is probably his first season where he's going in with some expectations. Yeah, he's always had Mike Trout, and he always had Nolan Arenado, which he doesn't this year. But this is the first year he's going in with uh, a proven strategy, knowing what he's doing, and having an idea about what he wants to do, and the confidence to do it. So his draft strategy is paying off. He's 6-3. and three. He's hanging in a very tough division. And I think he finally got used to the way the, the league was scored. And he's a very, very dangerous member of this league because it looks like he's figuring it out. 
and he already has one title under his belt. So he is a team that I definitely will think be in will be in the playoff mix. He'll definitely be uh, potentially a semifinalist for the league. His team is very, very good. If you look at our champions team, he's not just built on uh, the fact that he finished uh, last what, what was the first, his first two years in the, in the league. He did uh, he had a very, very good draft. So Whit Merrifield has been amazing for him for Kansas City. 27th overall in points. Carlos Santana, his first baseman, is 34th in points. Um, Andrew Benintendi hasn't been great, but he's still top 100 in points. He's 97th. So Andrew Benintendi, and you know he's only going to get better. And, of course, Mike Trout, 6th overall in points. And, you know, Mike Trout will always be in that spot, barring some sort of injury. Bryce Harper, 23rd in points. And all the talk that Bryce Harper is awful and Bryce Harper strikes out too much and Bryce Harper can't get a clutch hit. He has had quietly a very good season for Philly. He's only going to get better. So watch out for Bryce Harper. I think that the the, the outfield that he has is probably the best in the league. Um, with Ben and Tandy, Trout, and Harper. Um, his bench probably could use a little bit, you know, more fire, more firepower. As uh Devin will talk about in the, the trade podcast or the the rumor mill as he calls it. Um, he definitely is looking for that. I won't, I won't spoil what he says, but there are there's definitely some trades be made for Perry to improve his team. Uh, his pitching staff leaves a lot to be desired, but on paper it looks amazing. So Blake Snell and Bumgarner have not really panned out to be the best versions of themselves, but Perry obviously is going to wait them out. You're not going to drop either one of those aces, so we'll see what happens. And his best pitcher all year probably has been Herman uh, Marquez. And due to the fact that he had that complete game shutout, but he's been the most consistent. So Blake Snell hasn't been bad by any means, but he's definitely not as dominant as, as he was last year during his Cy Young season. And finally, my matchup with Alicia. I was ahead big all week and slowed down big time, and Alicia kind of caught up. She never really got within 15 points, but there was a chance that she could have come back. But I held on and won, and I finally got above 500. And I looked to stay there. So that dropped Alicia to two and seven. And the two the two teams that are two and seven are the two teams that are the worst in the league. Uh, it's not really by bad luck. If you look at their points scored, they're the two worst scoring teams in the league. Travis being the lowest, but Alicia not far behind. And Alicia's team isn't horrible on paper, but for whatever reason, it's not it's not clicking for her. And um, she has the best pitcher in the league with Ryu. Zach Davies has had a really good year. Jose Barrios was my favorite to win the AL Cy Young. Um, maybe it's the fact that Aaron Judge is on the DL for her, but for whatever reason, she can't put up wins. And being 2-7, and seven, especially like I talked about in that division, she's five games back from first place. She could hold on and see if she can make a run, because we know it's possible. We're only in Week 10. And there's 21 weeks in the season. So she could potentially go on a, lar- a long winning streak and prove everybody wrong. Or she could sell. And she could look to make make waves with collecting NA players like she did last year. She was able to get a young, promising, uh, proven player in Juan Soto last year. She also collected Justice Sheffield, who's still hanging around in Seattle's um, farm system. She could do the same this year and probably sell off a couple of those pieces. So she has a lot of pieces that would really be for sale. Um, and she just has to figure out who she would like to keep. 
If I were her, I'd probably trade Ryu. If I decided if I was going to be selling, that is, I would trade Ryu because you're not going to keep a pitcher like that. And historically, he's not going to be that pitcher forever. So you're going to get a contending team that's desperate for pitching, as we know everybody's desperate. And he may be the guy that's that people are targeting. And you can get a nice little package for Ryu for a player that you're not going to even keep. So we'll see what happens. It's very interesting to talk about all these trades and potential trades. But as of now, no dominoes have fallen. And we'll see if Devin's rumor mill changes that. All right, so let's talk about week 10. And a week that's already underway. I'm sitting here on June 4th. This is a Tuesday. Monday was really nothing to be spoken about because there was about four games. And there are some people that put up points, but for the most part, everyone's in single digits aside from, of course, Boxell. He had two pitchers going, I believe. And everybody else was just kind of waiting around and watching no baseball. But today we have a full slate of games. The weather looks like it's going to hold up and there's not going to be any weather to deal with. There's some rain that's on the forecast, I believe, uh, for, let's see... Oh, they got rid of the icon. Usually, if I don't know if you guys are used to this, but on some of the, the players, they have... Yeah, so uh, St. Louis from Cincinnati has uh, like a red little rain cloud next to it. So if you look at that, it tells you that there's possibly rain in the forecast, which is a nice little addition that Yahoo made. Uh, and they tell you if there's weather to be worried about. So the matchups for Week 10, we have Boxell looking to fatten his record to 8-2 and two against the worst team in the league. He's already up to uh, a nine-point lead. And Boxell looks to uh, put Travis further back in the hole. So we'll see what happens with Travis. This is probably a make-or-break week for him. If he decides to sell, it's going to be after this week. Because you have to believe overcoming 2-8 and eight will not be something that he thinks is possible. He's already very down on his team. So some possible trade um, targets on his team have to be Carlos Carrasco, who he can get a decent uh, package for despite Carrasco not having the best of years. Because again, the well is so dry for pitching that anyone is willing to pay a lot for a guy that's even a buy low and figure out maybe he'll figure it out by, you know, by after the All-Star break. Pitching is that bad. He could potentially trade Chris Sale or one of his closers or two of his closers with Jansen and Osuna. But the deal has to be right. Travis has been on the on the record of saying that none of the NA players are worth trading for. I'd have to disagree because you got a guy like Dylan Cease from Chicago and a Jordan Alvarez that I have for Houston who's batting 400 in AAA. If I'm a team that's not competing, those are two guys that I'm targeting and just stashing them and figuring out, you know, I'll deal with it next year and hopefully I can find the next franchise player and the next guy to build my team around. Because if you get one of those guys and keep him as an NA and it turns out to be the next Mike Trout or the next big superstar at least, that means you're going to be keeping him from the last pick on, and that's some great value. So it's something to think about. Uh, the other matchups we have, we have Bazada facing Devin, both of them looking for big wins. And Bazada, who's 4-5, and five, and Devin, who is 5-4, and four. This is a big matchup for both of them. So if Devin loses, he falls to 5-5. Five and five. If Bizzotta loses, he falls to 4-6. and six. So this division matchup is something to really watch. 
If Bizarro for, falls to four and six, you know he's not going to panic. He's just awaiting. He's awaiting Severino to get healthy, and he's going to wait out his team. I know he's very confident in his guys, but I could see Devin panicking if he falls to five and five, especially in that division. Devin may have a little bit of um, a happy trigger finger, uh, trying to figure out what move to make that's the right one to figure out what's going on with his team. I think his team is great, but if Devin loses, as proven by the fact that he did a 35-minute segment on talking about trades, he definitely will definitely he will definitely make a move if the right one comes comes along. So we'll see about that. We have Karen facing uh, the revitalized Greg. Karen still has a division lead by a game. My brother and myself are right behind her by a game. And Karen's hoping to hang on. And Greg is right there. So if Greg wins, he'll go to 4-6 and six and Karen will go to 6-4. and four. And that really tightens the whole division. So Greg has to hope for... For me to lose, Jimmy to lose, and to be Karen, he'll be right back in the mix. So, we'll, you know, with Greg, that win last week, I can't even state how huge it was for him. The difference between two and seven and three and six is enormous, and especially in that division, he's looking like he could be right back in it. But this is a huge week for him, and Karen's a n- not an easy team to beat. Jimmy's looking to get back to his winning ways against Alicia. Uh, Enough said. I talked about Jimmy before. He had two tough tough luck losses in a row. He looks to get back to his winning ways. He's at 5 and 4. If you talk to him, he could be 7 and 2. Jimmy's team is pretty solid. And Alicia, this I don't know if again, I don't know if she's going to be selling, but if she falls to 2 and 8, you have to think it's more likely. But what is she looking for? Is she looking for prospects or is she looking for a bona fide keeper for next year or is she looking to possibly make a run towards uh, a winning streak and making the playoffs. Who knows? The season's so long. We're not even at the All-Star break, and these teams that are losing a lot, it's not easy enough to say I'm going to give up on it. It's a long summer, and to sell and decide you're going to deal with losing, it's going to be hard to do. So something to watch, and losing to Alicia would definitely be a tough pill for Jimmy to swallow, and we may actually get him on the podcast and have a rant if he loses. Dropping to 5-5 five and five will not be good for Jimmy's psyche. And finally, we have myself versus Mike Perrier. Pretty solid matchup. Uh, he's 6-3. and three, I'm 5-4. and four. He needs this win pretty badly, and so do I. We both potentially have the opportunity to overtake the division lead. Uh, I think Boxell, if he loses this week, they'll be tied. But I think Boxell will hold it in points. But if I was to win, I think the same could be said about Karen. But again, it's really tight. There's just two teams that are out of it right now. And we'll see what happens. But for right now, with six playoff spots and ten teams, we only have two teams that are really out of it right now. All right, without further ado, I'm going to pass it on to Devin, who's going to be talking about potential trades in his rumor mill segment. And I just realized that he called it the rumor mill. And his last name is Milligan. So, Devin, Rumor Milligan, take it away. What's up, guys? It's Devin, your 2017-2018 league champion. And I'm going to be presenting the Rumor Mill on today's uh, podcast here. Um, My motivation for this was pretty simple. 
we have not had any trades this year so far, um, which is really the latest in the last few years that we've gone uh, without a trade being made, uh, big, small, medium. Uh, one big reason I'm sure people can say is uh, the absence of a certain league member who was known for um, trading early and often, uh, many times with our commissioner. Um, but in addition to that, I, I think <clears throat> the one thing we're going to see here, one theme is that um, a lot of people need the same thing. I'm not going to say that's never happened before, uh, but I can say that I think it's, it's much more desperate this year uh, than in, in years past. Um, with that being said, the trades in this league are never exactly easy. Uh, the creativity has to go up in order for something to happen. Um, you know, no draft pick trades can make it really difficult for sellers uh, to get guaranteed equal value. A lot of times they're kind of guessing and hoping. Um, with that being said, guessing and hoping can sometimes be better than doing absolutely nothing when you're buried at the, in the basement. Um, just a little history before we get into this year's rumors and this year's needs. Uh, Look back at the last three seasons uh, to see what the trends were, uh, how many trades we had, when trades started. Uh, last year, our first trade took place on April 18th, um, and there were 10 trades total uh, by the end of the season. Uh, 2017, we had our first trade on March 26th, which had to be pretty much right after the draft, uh, and there were eight trades total by the end of the year. Um, 2016, our first trade did not happen until May 3rd, uh, and there ended up being seven trades total, including one trade that was a five-for-five five deal, five players for another five players, um, which I would assume is the biggest one we've had in history here. Um, so here we are in June 4th, uh, and no trades yet. I can say personally I had a couple quick discussions when I said I was willing to move pitching, uh, nothing that went anywhere since then, not a ton. I, I don't know how uh, much talk there has been through other managers, um, but so far, pretty pretty uh, silent. I will say I think the league is very tight um, from, I think, first to seventh place. Less than 100 points separate those two people. Um, so I, I think there's seven or eight teams in the thick of things right now. Uh, that are realistic uh, playoff teams, and everyone's kind of still trying to feel it out. Injuries have slowed things down a little bit. Uh, the 10-day 10, 10 IL is as annoying as it's ever been. Um, but let's, let's dive into it a little bit. Uh, first of all, the trend we're going to see here after talking to everyone is the league has never been so desperate for pitching, for quality pitching. Obviously, the ball's flying out of the stadium. Um, so as far as a look, a look for offense, you know, when you have a Danny Echeverria going uh, opposite field, uh, home runs every other game, you kind of get the picture that uh, you're going to be able to find offense, but pitching is hurting. Um, and that's just evident as some of the, you know, best pitchers in the league, Cy Young candidates from last year, just not being able to get it done. Kyle Freeland's in AAA. He was a top five Cy Young guy last year. Aaron Nola has struggled on and off most of the year. Jacob deGrom, as most of the time, has looked like Jacob deGrom, but at times he's gotten shelled. Uh, Max Scherzer can still strike out the world, but not as dominant maybe as in years past. We could go on and on. 
Um, some of the best pitchers have been complete surprises. We talked about Mike Miner. Um, uh, Jake Odorizzi has been very good in Minnesota. They have another guy, Martin Perez, who's come out of nowhere. Used to be a kind of guy that you would pick up as a streamer and you would just absolutely hate the fact that you're doing so. Um, your best starting pitcher free agent right now is Mike Fires. So that kind of brings that point home a little bit more. Now, uh, I did want to look a little bit more at some of the trades we've seen, the specific trades in prior years. So I'm going to go through some of those really quickly before we get into this year. Um, 2016, a couple trades I noticed. Um, Steve and I traded relatively early in the year. I sent him Andrew Benatendi and Miguel Sano, who has been traded a lot in this league, uh, for Steven Matz and uh, Steven Piscotti. Uh, I was excited to get a pitcher that year, but I think Steve ended up getting the best of that, despite Benatendi really not being the guy to this point in his career that everyone thought he would be. Um, same year, Karen got Andrew McCutcheon and Aaron Nola from Bizzotta for John Lester. A nice two-for-one deal there. Nola at the time more of a uh, future guy, and uh, Bizzotta got the proven John Lester. Um, another one I got, and this is what when we get to the N.A. section, I think Travis recently remarked there's no N.A. guys to trade for, which, I mean, he, he may feel that way. Uh, I'm going to talk about a few guys later that should be very tempting to people. Um, but here's an N.A. deal um, where I got Chris Bryant um, for the playoff run and Jimmy got Yoan Mancada, who was at the time a no-doubt number one prospect um, in the league. And I sent him Justin Turner. Now, Chris Bryant didn't really turn out for me. I think I'd, I got in the playoffs, didn't go past the first round. Mancada didn't work out for Jimmy either, but I would not call that a bad trade uh, either way. Of course, getting Bryant for me a no-brainer. Um, but Mankata, again, he was a can't-miss guy. Again, has not lived up to that hype yet. And Jimmy also got Justin Turner there to kind of ease the blow of losing Chris Bryant. Um, 2017, a few deals to point out. Um, Perrier gets Derek Holland and Noah Syndergaard, and Steve gets Starling Castro and Michael Fulmer. Uh, pretty even deal there. Um, interesting to see the dynamic between those two guys. Um, Travis gets Coda Glover and Charlie Blackman, um, and Holder in return gets Jacob deGrom and Wade Davis. Another one, Bizzotta gets Gary Sanchez and Jamison Talon. Um, Alicia got the reliever O and Jason Vargas. This deal should um, bring up some memories. I think Alicia got killed for this one. Jason Vargas... I, I will say at this point was having a great year. Fell off big time, if I remember correctly, um, but was having a great year. And she needed pitching at the time. Jamison Talon probably wasn't the guy he has turned out to be now. Um, but Gary Sanchez going Bizzotta was, was was huge for him at the time. That was on May 25th that year, by the way. All right, let's keep on going. Same year, uh, I get um, Clayton. This is a big deal. Clayton Kershaw comes to me. Along with Didi Gregorius, who was a complete throw-in from Travis. Travis, I got sent. I sent him Miguel Sano. There's Sano again. Mookie Betts and Jose Barrios, who was just a young stud at the time, unproven but filthy. Um, now people debated this deal very much half and half, if I remember correctly, as far as some people thinking I got the best of it and some people thinking Trav got the best of it. Kershaw only ended up making like two or three starts for me down the stretch, if I remember correctly, one on the DL. Didi Gregorius, the throw-in player, was absolutely huge for me and huge for what ended up being a championship year for me. So sometimes it's the unintended consequences of these deals. Uh, a guy that you know Travis was 
probably just would have dropped if he didn't include in the deal uh, at the time. Uh, that same year, uh, Bizarra gets Marcakis Glaber Torres, and this one we remember as well, and Luis Castillo, who was not the guy he is now, of course, but interesting to see him in there. Um, and Steve, in return, gets Steven Souza, Craig Kimbrell, and Zach Greinke. So clearly, uh, Steve using a big NA player at the time to kind of bulk up on his pitching. Um, and obviously, Glaber, maybe one of the best NA gets um, in our league history for Bizzotta there. I believe he held on to him um, until the, the next year. Uh, we go to 2018, a few quick ones. Um, early on in the year, this is an end-of-April deal. I barely remember this, even though it involves me. I get uh, Nick Senzel and Robbie Cano, and Holder, in return, gets Ian Happ and Tanner Roark. I mean, this deal is fascinating. Uh, Nick Senzel... Stud prospect ended up getting hurt several times throughout the year. Like every time he, you thought he was going to get called up, so he ended up being basically a nothing for me. Um, Robbie Cano, I think, got suspended shortly after I acquired him. Um, and then Ian Happ, who obviously was big time in my 2017 title year, and there's a Hap for that, of course, one of the two Haps. Um, by the way, where the hell is Ian Hap gone? It's just so strange for a young guy to be up 2017, 2018, and now 2019 is just in AAA. Um, and meanwhile, the Cubs trade for cargo. Uh, so Ian Happ goes to Holder here. He ended up kind of getting the Joe Madden treatment, I think frustrating Holder to no end. Uh, in the lineup one day, hitting homers on the bench for the next three or four days. Uh, and then Tanner Roark, who used to be a very good fantasy starting pitcher, reliable guy. That was a good get for Holder at the time. Uh, didn't end up having a great year. Uh, another deal. Steve gets Dallas Keuchel, and Holder gets Cody Bellinger. Remember, Bellinger did not have the year last year um, that he had the year prior or that he's having this year. Um, Travis gets Robbie Ray and Cano from me while he was suspended. as kind of a throw-in. And I got Aaron Nola. Obviously, that deal worked out well uh, for me. Nola's still on my team, not having the year. Uh, I would like him to this year, but last year was a Cy Young candidate. Uh, Steve gets Rich Hill. Trav gets Daniel Murphy. Nice one-for-one deal there. Um, Steve gets Garrett Cole. This is towards the playoff run from Alicia for Juan Soto and Justice Sheffield. This is when Alicia started just kind of collecting NA guys to see who at the end of the year she'd want to hold on to. I mean, say what you will about that strategy, but you might as well try something. Um... Shortly after that, I got Chris Sale from Alicia um, in a controversial deal where I sent her Ross Stripling, Jesus Lazardo, Francisco Mejia. Again, just kind of prospect collecting. Didn't end up holding uh, any of those guys. But in fairness, Chris Sale did not do a whole lot for me down the stretch. Kind of reminiscent of when I got Kershaw uh, down the stretch. Just didn't really turn out. Um, and then last but not least, Jimmy gets Rick Porcello, who he ended up keeping, uh, which is kind of a surprise and then dropping maybe like four weeks into the season. And I, I got Chris Davis, Felipe Vasquez. So I was able to do two deals last year to kind of bulk up for the playoffs. Obviously came up just short uh, on that run. All right, now, finally, the important stuff here. Um, let's get to this year's needs. Maybe stir the pot a little bit. Who knows? Maybe this will get something going um, and get a f- the first trade domino to fall. Um, so after hearing from you guys, first of all, thanks for responding. I uh, appreciate that. I got eight people uh, responding. Bizzotta's conspicuous by their absence, um, but uh, you'll still hear me mention their names and their teams in here. Um, Jimmy, 
First of all, Jimmy, like much of the le- the league, says he needs a starting pitcher, bona fide starting pitcher. He's willing to move Justin Up- Upton, um, Starling Marte, Scooter Jeanette. I mean, you got some DL guys there, so I- I'm not surprised he's willing to give him up, but very generous of Jimmy to be willing to give up these guys who haven't played much. Um, I mean, he's also willing to give up any of his NA guys, which include uh, Luis Robert, um, Royce Lewis, and Dylan Cease, who we are going to talk about a little bit in length later when a certain name comes up. He's a guy to keep an eye on. This is a guy that's considered maybe a can't-miss starting pitcher for the White Sox. Um, All right, so those are his needs and what he's willing to move. Steve said he would like a mid-tier starting pitcher. All right, so clarified it a little bit, a little bit there. Um, also, would like an upgrade for second base and third base. And as far as who he's willing to move, Gatel Marte, who has above eighty points, which is shocking to me. Um, Clayton Kershaw, that name will come up again later, and Miguel Sano, who we've mentioned twice in prior deals and prior years. Uh, once again on the block, um, myself. I would also could use some starting pitching. Um, obviously, Kyle Freeland didn't turn out for me this year. Jamison Talon and uh, Trevor Williams on the DL, so I'm hurting a little bit there. Um, closing pitcher, Jordan Hicks is kind of my third guy, along with Doolittle and um, Felipe Vasquez, but Hicks has been a disaster. Um, and an outfield upgrade. A decent outfield, just really no guys that you can count on to carry the team. So um, that might be hard to find, but an outfield upgrade would be great. Um, willing to move, Justin Turner. I love the guy. He's raking, hasn't hit much for power, um, but when he's been out there, he's been raking in a great offense, so sometimes you get points just from runs scored when you're on base there. Great hitter. Uh, willing to move him mostly because of Austin Riley and how great he has been since coming up. Um, Travis Shaw, who is just coming off the DL tonight, uh, probably not a lot of intrigue there. He's had an awful year, I will admit that. But first base, second base, third base eligibility. Again, a guy in a very good offensive system. And once he gets going, you would think he's going to have a good year if he can snap out of it. Um, Griffin Canning, who young kind of starting pitcher for the Angels out there in L.A., we're in the L.A. that no one watches. Um, if you look, look at his string of starts, he's been impressive, kind of very quietly impressive, uh, willing to move him for the right piece. And my N.A. guys, uh, A.J. Puck, I think if that's how you say it, uh, Matt Manning, who is an absolute stud, and I'll talk about more in detail later, Carter Keeboom, who uh, we saw a little bit in the Nationals uniform this year, uh, lots of pop, just has to prove that he can hit. Um, a little more for average and play some defense. Um, Boxell, the number one guy in our league. Pretty happy with his team, and he should be, but would like a top-level starting pitcher and thinks he can improve um, in the relief pitching uh, front as well. He uh, admits that he is heavy-handed on offense and could easily move one of the following guys. Uh, he has Altuve coming back, uh, Moustakis, Alex Bregman, um, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Jose Abreu, Reese Hoskins. I mean, those are names that people are going to be intrigued by. Uh, by no means did he say he's going to move multiple pieces like that. But one, if he can get something back on the pitching side, it makes a lot of sense. Um, so that, that's intriguing as far as what he's willing to possibly move. Um, Perrier, our defending champ, he, he admitted he, he gets a little tentative trading. Um, so he's looking kind of for the smaller move. Uh, starting pitching, he would love a catcher upgrade. 
And then he was very specific here. He said he could use a utility guy, a guy with multiple positions, and that includes left field eligibility. Um, as far as who he's willing to move, Castellanos, who's frequently on his bench, a guy that has some pop, not huge numbers this year, but a lot of potential there. Um, Posey, as he wants to upgrade at catcher. And then he teased Mike Trout, uh, didn't seem serious about it, but we're going to bring up that name later again anyway. Um, Travis, he vented. Despite being number 10 in the league, he did not really give an indication of selling. He said he wants a top starting pitcher, someone like what Carlos Carrasco is supposed to be, a guy who can get wins, be consistent. Um, so he kind of shit all over his ace, Carrasco, and said he wants a legitimate ace. Uh, what he's willing to give up, he's willing to give up um, relief pitching. And that could, I mean, one of the guys, he didn't name this guy, but one of those guys he has is Kenley Jansen. Um, he specifically said if anyone thinks they're getting Joey Gallo, uh, they can forget about it. Although Gallo on the DL now, oblique, that could be a long, annoying injury. So even though he didn't say it, he might be looking for a replacement for Gallo, some pop. Um, Karen, a legit ace. What a surprise, just like everyone else, a legitimate ace. Um, who she's willing to move? She said once Stanton is back, maybe she's willing to move one of her other Yankees. Um, did not specify, but if I look at that lineup, I'm thinking Glaber Torres, maybe. Uh, Luke Voigt, possibly. Um, so we'll look into that a little bit. And then finally, uh, the last person I heard from was Greg. Uh, Greg said... Very specific here, and this is interesting, and this might get the most um, trade talk going out of anything else, which is why I'm saving it for last year. Uh, He's looking for a young starting pitcher who could be keeper-worthy, or more specifically, an N.A. pitcher whose MLB ETA is next year, so 2020. Um, With that being said, I'm sure someone who gets called up towards the end of this year but can still be an N.A. guy that would be fine with him. Um, now, who he's willing to move, and this, again, I think could be the most intriguing name. Uh, Jacob deGrom appears to be on the block a little bit here. Uh, he says he thinks it's time that he looks into moving him. Um, he mentions Mike Soroka as a guy that he could easily keep if he can keep this up. Um, and why not? It's going to cost him nothing as far as his draft pick slots. So you go Soroka, he has Cody Bellinger on the offensive side. So he's looking for that N.A. piece, uh, which we are going to kind of put some things together in just a little bit. Now the two people that I did not hear from, Lip Luggage. Um, When I look at his team, I don't see a ton. Even though he's out of the playoff picture right now, the team's pretty solid. He doesn't have any glaring needs. As far as what he could move, he has Polanco and uh, Segura at shortstop. Those are two solid players. So if he were to say, I can move one for something else, that would make a lot of sense. Uh, and then as far as where he needs help, I said maybe third base. He has LeMahieu plugged in there right now, which has been very good. But possibly maybe he loses some time when some of these other uh, Yankees come back, including Didi. Maybe he loses some time. I don't know. Um, so maybe he could use some third base help. Alicia. Here's the thing. I couldn't even guess what she wants to do. Once again, at the bottom of the standings, um, last year she went prospect hunting. Obviously, that hasn't really changed any uh, of her fortunes this year. The interesting thing is she has a lot of people, players, that people should be interested in. JT Realmuto, 
Anthony Rizzo, Manny Machado, Jock Peterson, Juan Soto, uh, Jeff McNeil, Aaron Judge, Jose Barrios, Jake Odorizzi, Zach Davies, Ryu, Martin Perez, Aroldis Chapman, Dallas Keuchel now, who could shortly be a Yankee. I just don't know what she wants. Plenty of pieces to sell. Maybe her thoughts are, I know I'm doing poorly again, but I actually have plenty of pieces. And she does. I don't know, honestly, this year how her team is as bad as it is because... Listen to those those players I just named. That that should make up a pretty solid roster. Obviously, Judge on the DL, McNeil on the DL. That hurts. Um, but you have Ryu, who maybe has been the best pitcher in the league. Martin Perez, a huge surprise. Zach Davies, jo- Jake Odorizzi, Barrios. I, I don't know honestly how she's been as bad as she is. Manny Machado has obviously been a big disappointment. But again, tough to imagine what, uh, how she's there. I just don't know what she is looking for at this point. All right, now, really, to me, the most interesting part of the rumor mill is trying to put together um, realistic trade matches. So that's what we're going to do here, and I'll go through this as quick as I can, as I know we're 20 minutes in already. Um, Here are some logical matches, and after I give you each one that I think is logical, at least in some way, um, I will also rate each deal uh, from one to five, five being it'll definitely happen, one being there is very little chance of it happening. All right, so let's start with some small ones here. Um, all right, I'm going to go with me and Perrier. Perrier said he was looking for that utility guy with left field eligibility. Um, Marwin Gonzalez is on my roster. He comes to mind, uh, has tons of eligibility all over the fields. Um, maybe he doesn't play every day, but when he does, he's frequently batting three. I've also seen him in the sixth spot sometimes. And that's kind of intriguing to be in that spot in a potent Twins lineup. Uh, so he puts up numbers when he's in the lineup. Uh, and you can put him anywhere, plug him in anywhere. And the match I saw for him is possibly Nick Castellanos, a guy who has another year you hope for, but maybe that works. I'm looking for outfield upgrade. The real question there is, is he truly an upgrade for me from what I already have? And is Perrier at all interested in Marwin Gonzalez? Uh, to me, I put this rating as a 1. Don't think it's going to happen, but it's at least worth a discussion. Um, next one. Let's go to Boxell and Steve as a match. Uh, lots of possibilities here. Steve said he was looking for second base or third base upgrade. Boxell said out of some of these guys, he's willing to move one. Altuve, uh, Mustakis, Bregman, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Well, here's the thing. Boxell's also looking for a starting pitcher, and Steve said he's willing to move Kershaw. You can easily build a deal um, with one of those guys for Kershaw. Uh, would it be as easy as a one-for-one? One? Maybe not, but they could clearly be the centerpiece. One of those position players for Clayton Kershaw. Is Kershaw the guy that he was two years ago, Cy Young candidate every year? No. Is he good for a three- to four-week DL stint at some point? Probably. But in this pitching market where there is nothing you're going to take Clayton Kershaw in a heartbeat still. So there could be some smoke there. I put that as a four out of five chances of happening. So pretty high um, on that, that uh, chance of happening. Um, getting a little cute here. I said, let's try to get a three-way deal going. Um, I named Boxell, Steve, and Travis added to the mix. All right, so we have Boxell saying he's looking for pitching, relief pitching possibly. Steve looking for a mid-tier pitcher and second base or third base help. Travis, 
uh, looking for a bona fide starting pitcher. So here I have Boxell getting Kenley Jansen and Cattell Marte. Jansen coming from Travis, Cattell Marte coming from Steve. Steve getting Carlos Carrasco, who Travis is down on, and then getting Altuve from Boxell. Travis getting Clayton Kershaw uh, from Steve, and Jose Abreu coming over from Boxell, who could fill in from, for Gallo at first base if Hosmer doesn't work out. Something to that. Um, I honestly think it's relatively realistic, but I'm going to rate it as a 1 out of 5 just because it takes three people to get on board with that. And usually at least one is going to feel like they're getting ripped off. Um, but three-way deal. You never know. Um, Alicia and Perrier. All right, so this one I think is extremely interesting. Where does Alicia go from here? Those two titles that she's been living on have, are getting more and more far away, way in the rear, rear view at this point. Um, and now people are just remembering her last place finishes more and more. So what does she do to reset? Getting prospects didn't work. The name that comes to my mind is Mike Trout. Is he a young star? No. Is he old? No. Will he be around for another 10 years producing? Absolutely. And you have to think that the Angels will somehow just get better, not worse. If you're Perrier, you can trade Mike Trout and get the pieces you need to go repeat. Which is the hardest thing to do in this league. So the idea I have here, Perrier trades away Mike Trout and Posey. And in return, receives Real Muto, Jock Peterson, to kind of ease the blow of the Mike Trout thing, and Ryu, who's been the best pitcher in the league this year. You get your catcher upgrade, you still get a pretty good outfielder, and you get a really good pitcher. And Alicia gets Mike Trout to build around for next year. I put it at a 2 out of 5 of happening, because there's a good chance that doesn't happen. Perrier's got to get Alicia to the table, first of all. Perrier also admitted that he's a little squeamish when it comes to trading. Obviously, trading Mike Trout is a big deal. <clears throat> um, all right, let's keep on going here. Karen and Steve. Um, I don't have a really detailed one here, but basically I think they can build a deal with each other around Glaber going to Steve and Kershaw going to Karen. It doesn't have to be one for one. They can get more detailed. But I think that is a pretty good base right there. Um, and I put that as a 3 out of 5 of happening. Um, me and Travis, we have some trade history in the last few years. Uh, my idea here, Kenley Jansen and Carlos Carrasco coming over to me. In return, um, for Jordan Hicks, who I'm down on. Uh, and obviously Travis down on Carrasco. Jordan Hicks, one of these two starting pitchers, Griffin Canning, or Trevor Williams, obviously Trevor Williams on the DL probably for another week or two. Griffin Canning's been great um, over the last few weeks. And I would send Travis, probably my best NA player, in Matt Manning, who I'm going to talk about more specifically in just a bit. I put that as a 2 out of 5 um, happening on as far as that one goes. All right. Uh, we're going to keep on going here, and I'm going to go to me and Steve uh, this one, Steve gets um, Justin Turner and Trevor Williams and an N.A. player for Clayton Kershaw or, again, Williams on the DL, possibly Canning in place of Trevor Williams. So Justin Turner, 
uh, Garrett Canning and NA for Clayton Kershaw. So I'm sending a lot over there, um, but I would t- be taking a risk going dipping my toe into the Kershaw pool again, knowing that, again, he's probably due for injury at some point, not the same guy. Um, but I get another reliable pitcher, and when I say reliable, I mean when he's starting. Uh, I give up Turner. I have Austin Riley to fill in for that if he can stay hot. I put it as a 3 out of 5. Uh, I don't put it higher because I don't know if I could convince myself to go through with it, even though I'm the one here with the idea. Um, okay, now I think we are up to what I think is the most interesting rumor or logical match, and that is the Jacob deGrom sweepstakes. Greg is coming from a position of power here. He is, other than Steve saying he's willing to move Kershaw, Greg is the only one that is listing a premier starting pitcher on the market, willing to deal him. And everyone else is looking for pitching. I think it makes tons of sense for Greg to do this in the coming weeks. And here are the most logical matches I could see. Remember, Greg said he would like a not active, an N.A. starting pitcher who most likely would start his full-time service in the majors next year. Now, I don't think coming up this year is a deal-breaker, but again, a guy who would be N.A. until next year, so he would need that eligibility. Um, So the first person I came up with, first manager that could be a match, is Jimmy. Jimmy, in the playoff picture at this moment, is at a good year, but he's on the fringe still. Um... And the name to know here is Dylan Cease, the White Sox stud starting pitcher prospect. The only problem could be that he comes up too quickly this year and loses that NA um, status. So it would be a deal that Greg might have to wait on a little bit to see if he comes up too early. Um, But I think a very logical deal would be Jacob deGrom to Jimmy for Dylan Cease. And then maybe Jimmy throws in Eloy Jimenez. Another stud young player on the White Sox who has ended up on Jimmy's bench a lot. Uh, since he came off the, the IL, he has looked way better. Uh, the average is not where they want it. But this guy's a stud by all means. Most people think he he's, can't miss. Uh, so I think that is a three out of five of happening. Could be a great deal for both managers. And Jimmy needs to do it. Jimmy needs to make the playoffs this year. Getting a guy like Jacob deGrom could be what he needs. Um, next match with Greg, I originally thought it could make sense with Perrier and the whole Mike Trout thing, and then I noticed Greg already has Cody, uh, Cody Bellinger, so that's not going to happen. But what I think makes more sense is Jacob deGrom to Perrier's team for a Casey Mize package. All right, Casey Mize, the number one pick just a year ago, is now in A, and he's absolutely tearing it up. Um, I think Greg could throw in Christian Vasquez to give Perrier a different catcher. Um, maybe Perrier throws in Julio Tehran to ease the blow of Greg giving up maybe his best pitcher, and Greg could still kind of try to compete for this year. Um, I think it makes a lot of sense. Three out of five happening. And then the last match is my team, and it would be Jacob deGrom coming to me for either A.J. Puck or Matt Manning, uh, some kind of package there where possibly I sent Griffin Canning as well. Now, Matt Manning, another Tigers starting pitcher, lesser known than Casey Mize. They're both playing at AA, and they've both been absolutely great. And even though they're in AA, there are rumors that we could see both of these guys in September. Um, I put that one as a 2 out of 5 at happening, just because Matt Manning is not quite 
as well known as Casey Mize and Dylan C's, even though maybe he should be. Uh, and just to add to those three possible trades, uh, a little update on those three guys. Dylan C's in AAA right now, 4-2 on the year, 3-2-6 ERA, 54 strikeouts in 47 innings pitched, and a 1-3-4 whip. Um, again, he, we're going to see him at some point this year, uh, maybe sooner than later. Uh, Casey Mize is in AA after starting the year at A-ball, where he had like a .3 ERA. Uh, he's 5-0 and in AA right now, 1-2-1 ERA, 40 strikeouts in 44 and two-thirds, and a whip of 0.828. So incredible numbers there. Um, who knows if he even needs to go to AAA. Matt Manning, Casey Mize's teammate. Maybe just as impressive. Double A, 4-3, 2-3-4 ERA, 80 strikeouts in 65 and a third innings, and a 0.903 whip. So both of those guys under a one whip. All right, so some of these deals, in my opinion, are very worthwhile of at least these managers coming together and talking about pitching. People are absolutely desperate for it. I think once one domino falls, we could see a bunch fall. That's the rumor mill for, for now. Hope you guys enjoyed it. See you next time. Thank you so much, Devin. That was amazing. I really appreciate you taking the time to contribute to the podcast. I thought it was a really interesting listen. I'm sure everyone else is going to enjoy it. So, again, thank you, Devin. I hope this really ignites the flame that is the trade market. And I look forward to hearing potential trades and see if any of those those trades proposed by you come true. Because you definitely have me thinking about it. And I know other people are going to be thinking about it. So even discussing potential trades may ignite the trademark. And like I spoke before, if one domino falls and a seller sells to a contender, the other contender is going to raise their eyebrows and figure out a way that they can make another deal to keep pace. So it's an arms race. So if one big pitcher falls, that means that it only raises the price for the other pitchers that are available. So those teams that are selling are kind of dealing from a position of power. So it will definitely be interesting to watch. And again, Devin, I really appreciate you doing this. And I look forward to hearing your feedback on this in the, in the group chat. Thanks. Power Rankings. Alright, time for the power rankings. I think this is everyone's favorite part of the podcast. It definitely ignites some conversation. Last week we had a discussion and a dispute about placement in the power rankings, and that's what I like to see. I like to hear what you guys think. Obviously, I'm not the be-all, end-all. You may disagree with what I say. This is from my perspective, and if you feel like I wronged your team or you're in the wrong spot or I put myself too high or I put someone else too, too high, come at me, and I want to hear from you. So without further ado, let's go with the power rankings. Number 10 is Travis falling one spot into the last spot. There's no other way, man. I had to put him there. Lowest point total, 2-7. and seven. Uh, I don't know what's going on with his team, but it looks like he is on the track to selling. Number 9, Alicia moving up one spot. Yes, she lost again, but she had a really solid outing, scoring over 120 points. She could have beaten a lot of teams the last week. And it was one of those losses, one of the rare losses she had that's just a bad luck loss. But being 2-7 and seven is tough. It's going to be tough for those two to be out of, those, uh, out of the 10-9 and nine spot all year. 
Greg stays in the eighth spot. He got a win this week over Bizzotta, but it's not enough to get him above that spot. I want to see more from him. Number seven is Bizzotta falling two spots out of five to seven. He goes to four and five, dips under 500. He's not panicking, uh, but obviously with the long season, his team is only going to get healthier. And knowing his track record, he'll be right there at the end of the year. Number six, Jimmy fell two spots. I know he's not going to be happy about this, but there was no other way to do it. He had two losses, whether they whether they were bad luck losses or not, they were two losses. And he falls two spot from four to four to six. And I'm pretty confident in, in the ranking that I left Jimmy with. Number five is Devin. He moved up one spot. Number four is me. This may be the most controversial, but I tossed myself up three spots. So this is the team that I thought I'd be fielding weekly. My pitching showed up. My offense didn't show up that well, but they did enough. I scored the most points this week. And I have, I think, the fourth most points scored in the league. I think I deserve to be in four. If you disagree, fine. Tell me about it. Number three is Perrier still. Number two is Karen. And number one is still Boxell. No one is able to... Th- no one is able to knock him out of that top spot. And Boxell is there again for the 10th straight week. We'll see if anyone can knock him out of that spot. All right, guys, that's it for me. Thank you so much for listening, and thank you so much to Devin for contributing in such a big way. I thought it was such a great addition to our podcast, and it was awesome to hear someone else's voice on this thing. So if you'd like to contribute yourself and you'd like to include some of your thoughts, maybe event session, Travis, I'm looking at you, about your team, send me a voice memo, send me an audio file, and I will include it in this. I want to give you guys the platform to discuss uh, potential issues and talk about anything you want in this format. This is what it's really meant for. I don't want it only to be my voice droning on. Uh, So send me anything. I want to include everybody. I want to figure out a way to get everyone on here. Uh, That being said, I only have money from Greg and Karen. So if you have not paid me the league dues, please send it to me as soon as possible. I want to see if I can have everyone's buy the All-Star game. So that means eight of you or seven of you, including myself. I need your league dues. That's $100. I want to be able to send out division winners, uh, runner-up, and champion as soon as it happens. So I don't want to be chasing people down for money. It's not fun. Just Venmo me. It's S. Gene Gaspro or uh, see me in person and give me the money. I recommend Venmo because I like that better. But then again, thanks again, thanks again for listening, guys. I really appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed this. See you guys soon, and good luck in Week 10.